Welcome to the final episode in our series, Jonah's Unexpected Journey. We're bringing to life the story of the prophet Jonah. This is part four, Bigger Fish to Fry. So here we are at the end of Jonah's journey, and what a journey it's been. Jonah has tried to run away from God, been swept up in a storm, almost died, spent several days inside a fish, got vomited out by that fish, then finally decided to do what God wanted by going to preach to the enemies of his own people. Those people put a stop to their evil ways and God saved them from destruction. This is where it seems like the happy end credits should roll in this story. Everything worked out, everyone learned their lesson and grew as people, one big happy ending, right? Well, not exactly. Nothing seems to happen quite the way you think in the book of Jonah. It's not like a movie where the protagonist goes on a long journey that completely transforms them for the good. Jonah's story is more like real life. It's full of ups and downs. We can see ourselves in him more than we sometimes care to admit, and that's actually a good thing. We can appreciate Jonah's ups and downs, attitudes and rebellion, because maybe one of the lessons here is that growth isn't linear. It's messy, uncomfortable, and we often need lessons repeated many times before we really get them. But that doesn't make the journey any less worth it. Jonah's story also teaches us that God sticks with us through all our fumbles. He's always guiding, always teaching, and always caring. So let's pick up our story again and see how Jonah responds when God decides to spare the Ninevites from destruction because they changed their evil ways. Jonah 4, verse 1 to 4. This change of plans greatly upset Jonah, and he became very angry. So he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That is why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You're eager to turn back from destroying people. Just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen. The Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry about this? So it may be hard to understand what's making Jonah so mad. I mean, weren't people being saved from destruction? Shouldn't he be happy that people responded so well to his message? So let's put ourselves in Jonah's shoes and try to understand. Imagine God calls you to speak to a group of people you've spent your whole life hating. People who arguably deserve your hate. They've hurt and killed a lot of people, maybe even people you know. And then God sends you to call them out on what they've done wrong. And when God finally gets you in a place where you're willing to do what he asks, Maybe you don't actually think they'll change. Maybe you're convinced you'll just give the message, free yourself from the guilt of not doing what God says, they won't listen, and you get to watch these evil people get what they deserve. So how can we relate to Jonah? Well, in this situation, Jonah is primarily concerned with himself. He wants what he is used to seeing. If you do something wrong, you deserve to be punished no matter what. But God wants to do what would meet the most needs and help the most people change. This change in mindset is hard for Jonah to adapt to. Now's a good time to pause and check in with our editor-in-chief, Russ Ewell. In a recent series, he went into detail about how Jonah's struggle to accept God's plan for saving Nineveh relates to the present-day struggle many of us who identify as Christians face to let go of our traditions and step out of our comfort zones for the sake of helping others. Russ, can you explain this connection for us and help us understand why Jonah may be feeling what he's feeling? What I've learned since the early 2000s is how many things were traditions in my life, how many things were uh, sort of uh, denominational personal preferences. And it's, it's, it's been challenging for me. One, I had to look and say, okay, what, have I, what don't I know? 
Instead of emphasizing what I believe I know, I had to look and say, what don't I know? And this had nothing to do with what, teach, what the Bible teaches. It had to do with the overlay, the perspective, the inherited traditions that I had gained from being a part of the fellowship of churches I was in. Now, some people get angry about that kind of thing. You got to stick with this. You got to do that. Well, my problem is if people find God inaccessible because of the way that I think, or the way that we think, that we enjoy, that we feel pleasure from, then I've got to take a look at that and ask the question, is that the right thing to do? The first thing I had to do was look at how I led and my style of leadership. Is this how God wants it done? When I was being trained, it was like, every church needs a superstar minister and you gotta be a superstar minister. And since I've been doing a number of things, I'm in the ministry, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a writer, I do all those things. But in the ministry part, I had to take a step back and say, no, I don't believe that the idea of God is that there be superstar ministers. I don't believe that everybody needs to be a Paul. I actually think that being a Paul is pretty unreachable for most of us, if not all of us. But building a team is really what ought to happen. And in Acts 13, you actually see Paul build a team, a team of people that really it's about, uh, if you look at Jesus, Jesus was not the guy out in front trying to be in control of everything. He was in the middle among them, looking at all the guys growing to be able to reach their potential. His joy was in helping other people maximize their potential. And that was a big breakthrough for me to be able to say, you know what? There's a lot of things I've inherited. They're not wrong. They're not bad. They're just not things that have to be. They're not absolute rules. And there are a lot of people who struggle with this, but you know what? The world has changed immensely since I was trained and people are not interested in being part of churches that have a lot of tradition. And if you go back and you listen to some of our upcoming podcasts that'll talk about uh, uh, why people don't go to church, you're going to find in that a lot of the things that I'd like to discuss further here, which is there are a lot of positions that people hold. They think the church is judgmental. Christian churches are judgmental. They think they're hypocritical. They think they're old fashioned. Guess what? We need to look at that and say, no, we're not going to compromise the Bible. The Bible is God's word. It stays true. We always hold to the Bible, but we have to ask how many extra biblical things are we doing? And that's what Jonah had to wrestle with. I want to, I want to tie this up for you. What Jonah had to really wrestle with is this. He absolutely thought as a prophet that he knew what God wanted to do with all of the Gentile, the non-Jewish nations. And then he found out he was wrong. I was absolutely sure I knew what God wanted us to do and how to build churches. And thank goodness for people that are younger than me and different than me and people that are older than me and different from me, because all of them helped me change the way I thought. And one of the things we do in the church I'm a part of is we're constantly willing to say it's about innovation and change to do this, to make God accessible to everyone. And ultimately, that was what Jesus did. Jesus came into the world and he made God accessible to everyone. He removed all of the barriers and said, here's what it's all about. Move the law out, move the rules out. Let's talk about it, what it means to love and to know God. And so ultimately, that's what Jonah began to learn. And the Old Testament, I heard a man once say, the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. And I think that's a way to see the whole Bible can point us in the right direction to find God's purpose for our life. I wish you good luck and I want to encourage you. Think of the church as life-changing, non-traditional and non-denominational. Remove all the barriers and say, how can we make God accessible to everybody? That's one of the things I learned from the book of Jonah. Awesome. Thanks, Russ. It's hard to change our minds about things and traditions we've followed for a long time. 
but it helps to remember that God's goal is to make himself accessible to everyone. Let's hop back in the story and see how Jonah handles this change of plans. Jonah 4, verse 5 to 6. Then Jonah went out to the east side of the city and made a shelter to sit under as he waited to see what would happen to the city. And the Lord God arranged for a leafy plant to grow there, and soon it spread its broad leaves over Jonah's head, shading him from the sun. This eased his discomfort, and Jonah was very grateful for the plant. Okay, so you're in this foreign city, surrounded by people you never thought you'd meet. You're confused and angry about God's plans. You find that desire to get away welling up deep inside you. The last time God hit you with the unexpected, you bolted as far as you could go. But this time it's different. You're exhausted from this whole endeavor physically, emotionally, and even spiritually. You know that running won't really get you anywhere, and you're still not sure how to make sense of what just happened. So instead of running as far as you can from God, you just sit. Have you ever felt that way? You're too tired emotionally, spiritually, physically to even run from God. All you want to do is just sit and do nothing. If you're Jonah, you find a cliff overlooking the city. You try to make yourself a little shelter from the sun, but you can't even figure that out. And it's hot. It feels like you moved onto the surface of the sun. The scorching rays beat at your neck, drenching you with sweat. And there you are, alone again with your anger, frustration, and at least a little bit of self-pity. But then you hear something. The ground below you rumbles as if some creature was awakened and trying to escape. You watch as something green breaks through the soil and erupts into the sky, stretching out its giant leaves over your head. You breathe a huge sigh of relief. God is so good. You hug the stem of this plant, relaxing in its shade and enjoy a good night's sleep. You're so preoccupied by your new best friend, this beautiful shady green tree, that you don't notice the quiet, creeping, slimy sound that's inching closer and closer. Jonah 4, verse 7 to 8. But God also arranged for a worm. The next morning at dawn, the worm ate through the stem of the plant so that it withered away. And as the sun grew hot, God arranged for a scorching east wind to blow on Jonah. The sun beat down on his head until he grew faint and wished to die. Death is certainly better than living like this, he exclaimed. So you wake up the next morning refreshed, dreaming of shade and giant plants. But to your dismay, you find your plant, your very best friend, your rock and your refuge that was there for you in your darkest hour has withered right before your very eyes. It doesn't take long for that unforgiving heat to come back. A scorching wind blows in your face, picking up dirt and sand and throwing it in your eyes. This is worse than being in that fish, you groan. I'd rather die than keep living like this, you mutter to yourself as you continue to choose to sit on this hill that no one asked you to sit on, waiting for an already forgiven people to be punished, mourning a plant that barely lived a day. Once again, not your finest moment. But God's voice comes to you gently, like an understanding parent trying to rationalize with a child. Jonah 4 verse 9. Then God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry because the plant died? Yes, Jonah retorted, even angry enough to die. This feels like the last straw. You let go of all that pain, exhaustion, and anger, and throw what many would call a temper tantrum. You know in the back of your mind that this is not about the plant, but you're so upset you don't care. You will make it about the plant. Let's take another minute to think about this. Have you ever been there where God's showing you a direction to go? It's so clear you're in the wrong, but you double down and hold on to what you think, even if it makes you suffer. 
It's easy to complain in these times or even blame God for the problems we so clearly put ourselves in. In these moments of stubbornness and pride, it's easy to become fragile, holding on to anything that makes us feel good and sucking it dry for comfort and security. When those things inevitably stop giving us the relief we so desperately want, we can crumble, break down, and maybe even throw a little bit of a fit. So let's see how God responds to Jonah. Jonah 4, verse 10 to 11. Then the Lord said, You feel sorry about the plant, though you did nothing to put it there. It came quickly and died quickly. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, not to mention all the animals. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? God's words in these last verses close the book of Jonah, and they give us some perspective. Jonah spent this entire journey running from discomfort, the discomfort of doing something he didn't want to do, and the discomfort of changing his mind and admitting maybe he was wrong. This desire to stay comfortable made him small-minded, focused more on keeping himself happy than on God's bigger purpose of saving souls. God asked Jonah what he asks all of us. There are so many people around you suffering in spiritual darkness. Aren't they a little more important than your discomfort? If you could care that deeply about a plant, shouldn't I care with the same amount of passion for people who are lost and alone? One of the crazy things about this story is we never know how Jonah responded. Instead, we are left with ourselves. How will we respond to what we just learned about God? What discomfort are you running from? Is preserving your comfort really more important than the needs of those around you? What perspective do you think God is trying to give you? There are people in spiritual darkness all around us who need us to love them. We don't have to wait for a fish to swallow us to respond to God's call to make a difference in their lives. All we need to do is take that first step on the unexpected journey God has for each of us. This wraps up our series, Jonah's Unexpected Journey. We hope it helped you reflect on the ways God may be trying to get your attention and who the people are in your life that he believes you can impact. If you enjoyed this series, please take a moment to subscribe to our show and drop a review. If you have a story from the Bible you'd like us to do, let us know at podcast at deepspirituality.com. Thanks for listening to Deep Spirituality and stay tuned for more stories. This was episode four of Jonah's Unexpected Journey by Deep Spirituality. A quick note about our narrations. Our storytelling is based on the Bible, historical research, and our best guess. Only the Bible verses are the inspired word of God, and the storytelling is added to help us experience the scriptures as if we were there. If you like what you heard today, make sure to subscribe and drop us a line at podcast at deepspirituality.com.